Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. Uh, not too embarrassed to say our names, Adam Pranica here on the on the wheels of steel. Yeah, I've really been going down a hole with this. I mean, like, I'm, I've always been kind of a ambient Star Trek watcher, but like, I looked at my Amazon recently looked at and there was like a, you know, DVD box set of Deep Space Nine and a Mega Blocks uh, Starship Enterprise E in there. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, my God, I am really turning into a horrible man child. Well, you know, you have a problem when you're you're getting into physical media. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. I, I was just I just I was mainly curious to see, like, had had the Enterprise ever been licensed in a plastic building block format <laughs> and uh i feel like mega blocks is real low rent do you have a a collection of of star trek collectibles i don't i i used to have the action figures when i was a child but i think i sold them to the uh used toy store at some point hmm. yeah uh um i guess uh because you shared something very shameful in the last episode. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll tease a little story about uh, about something related to that idea a little bit later. Oh my God, I am on tinter hooks. <laughs> I don't know what a tinter hook is, but I'm on one. Yeah, that it could be really nice. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Mm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. So, Adam, this is. Episode six, titled "Lonely Among Us," um, the Enterprise is en route to a planet called Parliament with delegates from two warring planets. And Parliament, I guess, is kind of the Switzerland of this part of space. Not to be confused uh, with like uh, a, a planet known for its minty flavor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, or its funkadelicness. Right, right. Yeah, uh, both of those. Uh, so the, uh, the two warring races, like we get, we, we learn very early how deep their hate is, uh, for each other when a bunch of, uh, lizard people, these are the Soleil and they beam aboard and say that they can already smell the Antikins who are the other race that is aboard. It's basically your, your standard fish versus dog story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so first they, of all, these are rubber mask aliens. Like they yeah. are, they are not uh, paint on the tip of the nose aliens, like you might uh, you might be used to in the these, Star Trek universe. These are a lot more akin to your uh, Planets of the Apes kind of kind of characters, like down to the unmoving mouths yeah. uh, when they talk. Yeah, it's real country <laughs> bear jamboree style uh, <laughs> alien process here. Yeah. And so, yeah, so the Sele are, they sort of look like, um, they have like cobra heads. They're mm-hmm. kind of kind of uh, Kelly Green cobra heads. And then the Antikins are like weird, bald canine. If if Dr. Moreau tried to crossbreed a hairless dog with a monkey. Yeah. Yeah, that's accurate. That checks uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you, you have your Dr. Moreau calculator on your yeah. desk there? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so the Enterprise is basically just kind of operating a a ferry service to get <laughs> these two these two races of assholes, I will venture to say, uh, from one place to another. And on their way, they uh, encounter a weird cloud of energy, and Picard is curious enough to direct them to take a close pass, and uh, we see Worf and Geordi in the sensor room, which I don't think that we ever see this sensor room again, but uh, it's kind of a cool little set, and uh, while Geordi is distracted by something, uh, (laughs) Worf gets blasted with uh, lightning, and it's one of the greatest Worf screams (laughs) in his entire like 10 or 11 season history as a character on TNG and DS9. I felt so strongly about that, uh, that performance that it made me feel like if you're casting for the part of Worf, isn't that all you're casting for? Like, Like give, give us your best energy beam through the, through the panel and into your hand. Yeah, and I and the casting director, I feel like spent a good week having people come in and growl and fall down, yeah. <laughs> just for hours at a time. And Michael Dorn got the part. Uh, I think on the strength of this performance. Yeah, fucking kills the growls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Worf is now passed out and taken to sick bay, where Doctor Crusher starts examining him, and when. Uh, nobody's looking, she gets infused with this energy. And so it sort of passes out of his body and into hers. And she starts acting like a real weirdo. <laughs> um, which kind of made me wonder why Worf wasn't just going around acting like a weirdo. Like, why why did it knock him out, but she was able to just kind of absorb it and, and walk around? She, like, wanders onto the bridge. And, you know, Data is still such a naive character that he... Uh, can't tell the fact that she's acting super weird means that she's been taken over by an alien intelligence. Yeah, look, I mean, they only trust Michael Dorn to growl and fall at this point <laughs> in, his, in the series. Like, they're clearly giving uh, Beverly Crusher's character uh, a lot more to do. Yeah, yeah. Worf really hasn't hasn't had many many lines or scenes at so at this point. And so he's far. been out of entire episodes too. Yeah, that's true. So she kind of transmits the energy into the science console that she's using, and then the ship start, starts to sort of fall under the influence of this creepy alien intelligence. It uh, drops out of warp, and they they call up the assistant chief engineer, Singh, who is almost immediately killed, which I felt like was a real shame, because I think Singh, he, was, he seemed like a really charismatic character, and... Yeah, and it was cool uh, to see an Indian man. Uh, yeah, as as part of the crew, I thought that was cool. Yeah, I kind of i uh, I felt like that was kind of a missed opportunity to just to just uh, have this character get introduced and then killed immediately. Did you know a bit of trivia? He was the first character killed on the show, the first Enterprise crew character. Oh wow! Number one. So so drink if you uh, if you had a bet on on Engineer <laughs> Singh. Yeah. So Picard orders like a murder investigation and makes a a tangential reference to Sherlock Holmes and then 
for the rest of the episode, Data is walking around with a crazy pipe, smoking it, and like talking in a very arch tone and using deductive uh, Sherlock Holmesian investigative techniques, uh, which is the kind of the first introduction of a leitmotif that runs through the entire series of Data being obsessed with Sherlock Holmes. A related leitmotif to that is also just Data being incredibly annoying. <laughs> I feel like uh, this is the the character really like showing some some range that we don't usually see. Like he's usually so measured and 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 Brent Spiner really plays these moments for comedy. Like it's yeah. it's it's so silly. Like <laughs> there's some real capital A acting going on with Brent Spiner. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyways, so this this episode gets really up on its high horse about a couple of things. At, early on, Picard kind of talks about how part of their dispute is over an economic system, and he he really is dismissive of that being a legitimate reason to have a dispute. And then the whole crew is really horrified that the uh, Antikins eat uh, actual animals for meat. They're really offended by that because they're all used to eating replicated food. I think it it says a lot that we're spending so much time on the on the gas cloud storyline versus the uh, fish versus dog conflict because yeah. uh, the stakes don't really seem that high in this in this whole diplomatic dispute at any point. No, yeah, it's like it's like these aliens are ridiculous. Maybe maybe you should just let them hash their stupid differences out and not like sweat their <laughs> their little problem. So anyways, Troy starts trying to like hypnotize Worf and Dr. Crusher finding that they can't remember what happened to them when they were under the influence of this being and eventually uh the being finds its way into Picard and then everybody realizes they are in some deep shit because when Captain Picard is acting like a weird space cadet. They, uh, you know, they nobody can pull rank on him other than the doctor, but she has to be pretty sure uh, why she's pulling rank on him and, like, medically taking him out of service. He really big dogs uh, Beverly and Riker when they try to do a little intervention on him. Yeah, they, they, uh, they come in and say, like, hey, Captain, like, we think you should submit to a psych screening. And his big comeback to that is like, well, I think you should submit to a psych screen, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which they have no comeback for. They're like, okay. And they kind of back out of the room and then go take the psych screening. Yeah, they go take, take them. That's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking order, man. <laughs> orders is orders. He orders the ship to turn around and head back toward this energy cloud and then starts kind of explaining that he has merged his intelligence or this this uh, alien has merged its intelligence with his and has convinced Captain Picard to explore the galaxy with him as a being of pure energy and that this is what Picard wants. Uh, And so they can't talk him out of it and Picard goes down to the transporter room and beams himself off the ship and doesn't rematerialize on the other side as matter just rematerializes as energy 
And so they're like, holy shit, the captain <laughs> just fucking wasted himself. And then uh, Troy senses the captain's conscience out in the cloud. Wait. It's the captain. I think Picard saw the advantage of putting his information in the cloud. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, this this show has been very influential to the <laughs> designers of technology gadgets. You know, your flip phone is based on the communicators from the original series. Pretty unimpeachable backup. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, and it turns out the crew could recover that information when they wanted it. Yeah. So they, they push the enterprise into the cloud and data figures out a way to like rematerialize the captain and, uh, all is well. And the captain doesn't even remember anything that happened before the entity entered his body. So... They continue on their way, now super late to get to the peace conference. The end. My love is a peep of longing till for that which longer nurses the disease. Did you think that the end of this episode was really weird? Like, in a weird Dukes of Hazard style ending? Like, they, <laughs> they beam Picard back to the ship. He's like, what the hell happened? I don't remember anything. And yeah. Riker Reich, and, and Tasha are like, well, uh, some crazy stuff went down, and we've got this whole like fish versus dog thing going on on <laughs> board. And uh, Picard's like, uh, number one, why don't you go ahead and take over? I'm going to go grab a nap. Yeah, he totally leaves Riker <laughs> holding the bag. <laughs> it's such a dick move. And then uh, Riker and Yar sort of look at each other, and I was full on expecting like freeze frame roll credits on, <laughs> on like on like that that shruggy smile look that they give each wah, other. Wah. But that's it. Like that's the end of the episode. Yeah, it was like the end of Chips. You remember the end of a Chips episode? Yeah, when they, they'll be like riding their motorcycles off in the distance and like right. one of them will look at the other guy freeze frame credit and then freeze they'll go back credits. to real time and then the other guy will look at the other guy freeze frame roll credit it was real awkward yeah we're definitely coming out of an era of television where they felt like ending a show was just way too much to even contemplate all um, that was missing was like the the matlock and <laughs> theme song <laughs> yeah um, I would say that the biggest thing that really stuck out to me is like the doctor comes back from her fugue state on the bridge and she doesn't remember how she got there and everybody's going like, doctor, are you all right? And she's like, I don't, I just don't remember what I was even doing in here. And I would think that a Federation doctor on a Starfleet ship would uh, raise more of a, an alarm. Like she's a commander. She should be like, right. uh, Either either I have like just like gone into a fugue state or had a stroke or something. This is something that happens like over and over in Star Trek where a character will uh not just say something to the person next to them that would yeah. cause everybody to kind of change what they're doing. Another thing like about her and how she acted that I thought was weird was like we have a bunch of examples of this. So Riker, in the very first episode, is able to watch an entire episode of Star Trek to catch himself <laughs> up on, on what's happened. Yes. So where 
we're pretty clear that there is a log or a record or a flight data recorder on the Enterprise. Right. You can see what people have done. But Worf gets shocked by by the thing in the sensor booth. He can't remember what happened, and everyone just sort of takes it as face value. Like, huh, yeah. he, he can't remember. The doctor can't remember what she was doing on the bridge at that engineering station. Uh, a couple episodes ago, the traveler is, like, entering in uh, right. these complicated computer settings to take the ship faster than it's ever been. No one knows how he does it, but, like, why doesn't the ship have a recorder of every button that's ever been pushed? It yeah. seems like the easiest thing. Harder to write that series, I guess, if yeah. it was internally consistent. <laughs> well, I would say that like this is definitely a, another one of those episodes that would have flown in the original series, but would not have flown past season two of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, like I think that there was a lot more well-established internal logic uh, by season two, and a lot of these early episodes just kind of don't really consistently interact with that logic. The last thing I had on my list was uh, talking about Troy, because I feel like she really comes into her own in this episode. She um, has some real scenes where she's like actually doing some stuff. She's inter- interacting telepathically with Picard's energy pattern when it goes out into the cloud, and it's not just She's not just there to kind of announce what what emotions need to be experienced <laughs> by the audience uh, this time. I don't know. I, I, she's a character that I really like, and I feel like this is the first real stab at character development that she's had. She had a scene that wasn't so great, though, when uh, when Picard hits the lights on the bridge and starts shocking everyone. Yeah, this is a pretty exciting scene. Like Picard, like grabs the two consoles at the front of the bridge and lightning bolts go into everybody's chest and they like can't move and data's like trying to get an arm out to like grab onto picard and he can't do it you remember what troy says though (laughs) and and and, like my eyes went directly to geordie in that moment like looking for an eye roll that i knew i wasn't going to see Uh, yeah he can't see through that visor that well yeah exactly do you have a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. For this episode, Adam? Yeah, I think I do. My drunk Shimoda is Tashi Yar, the purported security chief of the entire <laughs> ship. For some reason, the captain's acting weird, and the chief of security doesn't have the agency to, you know, relieve him of duty or take him down with a phaser as soon as uh, he starts electrically shocking the two helm consoles. Like, yeah, she seemed pretty useless in this episode as a character. Oh, and you also, wanna... like, let's let's not forget the Antikins and the Soleil. They're just having their their run of the entire ship, and as chief of security, she seems completely powerless to lock a door from the outside. Yeah, they keep catching catching the Antikins and the or the Soleil attempting. A murder caper on each other yeah and, real bad uh, job tasha yar yeah i mean they confiscate these weapons and it's like it's like that's not gonna cut it like confiscating the weapons is step one <laughs> like there's a bunch of other things you, you could, do. could also lock a door yeah i guess we haven't really established whether or not any doors can be locked on this, sh- <laughs> this stupid ship yeah because uh 
the only other time when one would have needed to, it's when Tasha's boosting scarves from Deanna Troy's quarters. <laughs> I mean, you can you can tell the crew's getting frustrated with the ship too. Like this is not the first episode where they're sort of bitching about it. Like the ship's supposed to be brand new. Why are we having these power fluctuations? <laughs> yeah, like I think a year out of space dock. I think the the lack of door locks is presenting a real issue. Yeah, maybe they uh, go in for a refit at some point in between season one and season two. Yeah, we can only hope. <laughs> My Drunk Shimoda are the delegates. Um, you know, we've talked quite a bit about it, what what bickering babies they are. They're trying to join Starfleet, right? Is, is that their deal, or are they already in? I think that they say at some point, like, they're trying to broker this piece so that the Ferengi don't broker the piece instead. Hmm. Uh, which is just another like kind of egregious attempt to set the Ferengis up as this major adversary that they never wind up feeling like. That's um, a fun group of rubber head people. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that spacefaring species would have any amount of skill as diplomats, and they're they're they like literally act like six year olds the entire time, and uh, yeah, just. Just uh, didn't didn't quite come across as uh, as plausible to me. Uh, I lost your signal completely, Ben. I don't know if you can hear me, but I can't hear you anymore. Ooh. Did I lose you? Uh, still can't hear you. Hello? Hello? Hey, there you are. Uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know either. Uh, well, I just finished a th- thought, so maybe we can just kind of call that the end of that chunk and move on maybe i'll say something like oh that's a very interesting thought ben (laughs) (laughs) and that'll be a little easter egg for us (laughs) yeah oh man i am the cutest of all lock faces on that vessel i am the cutest of all there are four lights how did you feel about this episode just as a whole given uh, what we've seen uh up to and including it I would say that it had, I would say, three moments that really made it fun for me to watch. The Worf scream at the beginning, the (laughs) Data Sherlock bullshit in the middle, and the uh, lightning deck at the end. So, you know, I would would say that uh, definitely not a a terrific episode, but held my interest more than uh, some of these others have. Yeah, I would say I liked parts of it, but it felt pretty weak to me. The cool parts, I thought, were like just the idea that someone could beam themselves out into space and not die. They don't really give you any background for how that's possible or why. They just sort of talk around the idea that, you know, there is energy and then there is physical matter. And Picard beamed energy out into out into the cloud. So Right. I mean, we aren't meant to truly understand what that's about, but the idea that we all thought he was dead and then he wasn't uh, was definitely exciting. But I thought everything... And they definitely, like, play it like, yeah, like, we might not get this guy back. And and I felt like that was emotionally effective. Yeah, uh, this is one of many times Riker thinks he's captain, and he's like, okay, well, I guess we better uh, go back to Parliament. Yeah. Most of everything else was was not great. I mean, this is pretty clearly a bottle episode, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we we never come back to either of these alien races again. Yeah. Like, it just sort of exists on its own, and then uh, we're on to the next. Although I did read in the Wikipedia that they get used in, like, background if, uh, if they ever needed, like, a bunch of uh, weird aliens walking around in a background because it's just like a weird rubber helmet, essentially. If <laughs> so. you don't need them to talk. 
Yeah. Like, they're pretty cool looking. Right. That's their greatest use, I think, sticking them in the, in the background. Like, really, George Lucasing them up. Yeah. These are cantina aliens, for sure. <laughs> you just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. It was really quite hypnotic, not.
All right, so the next episode is Justice, when Wesley is sentenced to death for innocently violating an alien planet's custom. Captain Picard is forced to choose between negotiating for Wesley's life or adhering to the Federation's prime directive, which prohibits interfering with another civilization's way of life. This was one of the most memorable episodes for me, I think, just going off of totally. what I recall. Um, I remember Wesley falling into some bushes and getting into some big, big trouble. Yeah, I remember this being an episode that really explored the idea of side boob in a way that Trek has not uh, traditionally done, and also that there's a lot of man package uh, (laughs) on display in this episode, Um, almost to the point where you you can't believe that they aired it on network television. Yeah, I mean, I definitely wouldn't veto watching this episode. doesn't sound like you would either. No, so, uh, not at all. I'm I'm pro nudity. I guess uh I guess that means folks will have to join us again next week for another exciting installment of the greatest generation. I mean, they don't <laughs> have to do anything. Uh, and no. actually we'd probably prefer at this point that they don't. But. Yeah, you know, uh, this is uh one of the first episodes we're recording uh since we actually started releasing episodes of this. And I just want to say like we're really embarrassed by this show and all of these people that go on itunes and leave reviews and then like write notes about how much they like it on facebook and twitter i understand that you're like it's it's nice of you to do but it's very embarrassing for us so please stop okay that's me talking to you the listener it's sort of like a a nerd sex tape going viral you know like i we're doing a thing that we feel a great sense of shame about, and people won't stop talking about it. Yeah. So. Kind of vexing. Yeah. I don't know what to do about it. I guess we'll just have to keep recording these episodes. Yeah. And I mean, if somebody wanted to continue that feeling of vexation, they would go to iTunes and leave a five-star review, which is just clearly mocking us. Uh, they could also go to our website, uh, gok.biz which should now be fully functional the way Commander Data is fully functional <laughs> in, a, in a multitude of techniques and positions. Yeah. This weird silvery yellow didick. <laughs> I've been Ben Harrison. I've been Adam Pranica. Don't call, don't write.